Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and welcome back to The Hive. I'm your host, David Clark. We are Superman, and I have a special holiday edition of the show for you guys. I have uh, uh, Gary Stotler back in The Hive. If you don't know who Gary is, uh, please go back and check out the podcast we did um, about a year ago or so. Um, He's got an amazing story, Uh, also a former fat guy like myself. Uh, He was 400-plus pounds, and now he's a multiple Leadville 100 finisher, a coach, and an all-around awesome, inspirational guy. And I have Bill Stahl back in the hive. You guys know Bill by now. He's been in here many, many times. Leadville finisher, run coach, and owner of I-9 Sports here in the the Denver metro area. And um, we have a great conversation for you guys about the holidays. Even if you're not sober, but you're just looking for um, some laughs and a way to uh, maybe experience the holiday in a new way, Um, beat those post-holiday and pre-holiday blues, depression, Um, or if you've been touched by addiction, certainly a lot of what we talk about in the podcast is going to um, hit home for you, I would think. Um, Regardless of what your background is, I want to wish you a happy holiday from the very bottom of my heart. We do get into some things like depression and addiction and, and happiness and things like that. So if um, if that touches you in a way and you want to reach out, please send me an email to david at wearesuperman.com. I will get back to you um, even over this holiday season. Um, I, I promise you I will um, do my best to, uh, to respond to you and, and, and offer you any kind of help I can. Before we jump into the podcast, just want to remind you real quick that this is the time of year, even though I'm not a New Year's resolution person, Um, This is the time of year where we do, for whatever reason, start to look honestly at ourselves and what we want to change. We identify those things, and I think that part of it is amazing. So if you've been struggling with food addiction, if you've been trying to change your diet, uh, adapt healthier um, habits with your when it comes to your food selections, I'm telling you, I've, I've done this myself. I've been coaching for a long time. I can promise you sugar and processed foods are at the root of your problems. And I'm inviting you to join my athletes and my group to go sugar sober in 2020. Um, this, the getting, getting the dopamine, never ending, craving, blood crash, blood sugar crash, getting that out of your life is going to make you think better, feel better, and make better choices. And um, if you'd like actual coaching with that, you can join my group, the Leadville 10. We're all trying to lose weight. Um, and become the best athletes, the best spiritual warriors we've been, and then finish the Leadville Trail Marathon and Heavy Half. Um, That's if you want actual coaching. But if you just want support, if you just want some inspiration and some tips and to be in a group um, of other people that are trying to do the same thing, I have a group. It's called Sugar Sober. You can sign up for it on my website. Uh, Go to wearesuperman.com. That's also how you sign up for the Leadville 10. And you can subscribe to that group. It's not real coaching, but it's going to offer you a lot of support, a lot of guidance, a lot of tips. It's just $10 a month, and you'll get 10 times your money back on that, I'm sure. Let's uh, jump in without any further ado to this special holiday Christmas version of the We Are Superman From high in the mountains of Boulder, Colorado, David Clark is launching you into the stratosphere of fearless adventure. This is We Are Superman. <laughs> Welcome to the high. Merry Christmas. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Merry effing Christmas. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard that South Park Christmas album? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. If, if you need, if you want. <laughs> See, I forgot about you, Gary. <laughs> I forgot about you, man. You've done nothing, listened to nothing, read nothing. You're, you're like, I'm never seen a movie. Here. <laughs> just here. <laughs> Can you pull that mic up a little higher, actually? There you go. How's that? Oops. That's going to be good. Is that good? That's great. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, so you've never seen a movie, never read a book, except the, except the business book. I, I, the business book, just one. Just one? That's, that's just it. Ten times. Just, I'm like a hundred now. Yeah. I get I get bored. But it's the ten times book, right? That's, yeah, the 10X rule. 10X. 10X rule. See, I remember a few things everyone's <laughs> it, It's well, been a couple years. It's been a while. It's been a while. I think on the last podcast, when I had you on to share your story with everyone, mm-hmm. on the outro, I, I played that I'm a monk thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a monk. <laughs> so anyway, do yourself a favor. And um, by the way, there's no CDs anymore. We're, we're off of cassettes. We're off of CDs. It's all on MP3 players now. And Oh man, I got a tape deck in my car. (laughs) I got an eight track. Okay, well, I'm a little bit ahead of that, so we're good. Actually, I've got a Victrola in my car. Okay, I believe it. (laughs) That's just some old lady you picked up, though. (laughs) (laughs) You know, her name was Victrola. You know, be a great name. True. (laughs) South Park Christmas album. It's from like 1997 or something like that. The most offensive album ever. Okay, good. Good. But they do the song "Merry Fucking Christmas," and that's what reminded me. Oh yeah. Hey there, Mister Muslim. Merry Merry Fucking Christmas. Yep. And uh, (laughs) what's his name? The Christmas. Ouch. Yes, Mr. Hanky. Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. We just started calling Martin, my cat, Martin St. Louis, Martin the Christmas poo. They just out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, did she react well to that? Nah. She reacts the same way. She yeah, just, just licks her ass you, and then yeah. walks away. <laughs> the cat right. we're talking about. <laughs> so what's been new, man? What's going on, Mr. Stotler? We're just uh, working, putting in the time. So last time you were on, you you had not finished Leadville yet. That is correct. Yes, um, now I finished twice. Twice, and yeah, yeah. You let's talk about the first year. Let's bring everybody back up to date. You're finally fit, hitting that finish line, man. What was that like? It was it was an epic day. Sober, sober. Um, almost a year. Um, I thought so, you said two years. Well, it's it's been two years now, you but that, that, that first year, <laughs> that first year was almost a year. So. No, you were getting, oh, okay, one year when you hit the when finish I hit the line. finish line the first time in 2018. Well, when you hit the finish years. line, you were actually getting fucked up during the race the year before. No, right? no, no, he DNF'd uh, that. Year. I, I DNF'd. I know, but he DNF'd. But I'm saying he was. He, he, that's three, when you had the fireball. Three in your bottles back, of right? fireball. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and for people that didn't listen, and if you didn't, you should go back and check out the Gary Stotler episode. It's awesome. But you were actually drinking fireball on Hope Pass. I was drinking Fireball on Hope Pass. That fucking blows me away. That's as much of a crazy. bitch that is. I just still. <laughs> I'm sure we talked about it, man, and I don't want to relive it. But but what what the fuck made you think that that was okay? That that not just okay, <laughs> not just okay, but that it would work. I did it my first hundred. Okay. Well, what made you think that would work? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, now I understand Leadville because you had success doing it. It wasn't about. I thought it would work. It was about. It was the only possible thing that was numbing the pain. I was okay, I was so in that's... such mental pain that that was the only thing that I could think of that would get me through the race. I was just and oh, one thing that we had talked about was uh, if I could just get to this race, if I could just get to that finish line, yeah. everything would turn around. My life would be okay again. I could fix everything I had broken. And you and I had talked before the race. We knew that wasn't going to happen. But I was just hoping 
that was my only hope was I could just get it done. We do think that those are actually finish lines just because we call them that they're not right. They're not, they don't have any, there's nothing there. There's the end of the race. That's all that's there. Yeah. So now I get it, man. I, I get it. So you are so, and correct me if I'm putting incorrect words in your mouth, but you are so unable to just manage normal shit, mm. feeling uncomfortable, being in tough situations, so unable to do that sober, normal, that mm-hmm. you needed to drink during the race. Right. Is that right? That's right. Oh. And uh, like we were just talking about, I'm reading journals from 2017 oh, that I don't even remember writing because I was so loaded when I was writing them. But I remember writing that between that week, because uh, it was a week after Leadville that I ended up quitting drinking. And in that week, I wrote a journal. Um, I went to bed at 11 o'clock the night before the race, knowing that I was going to be up at 2 a.m. And it was the first time in a month that I had been sober and I couldn't handle the pain. I was uncontrollably crying for hours because it was the first time that I had felt the pain and I couldn't handle it. And the pain meaning? The mental, the spiritual, yeah. the physical. The I just, pressure. The pressure of the race, the pressure of life. I was going through so many things all at once and I was, I was holding it in. I, I couldn't tell anybody because I had fucked up mm. so much. What'd you fuck up? Everything. My marriage, my life, my job. While running. you were training to run the race. While I was I, I was just running away, man. Yeah. I was spending time in the mountains just fucking running away. Dude, that wow. gives me fucking chills because that I know. I know that would have been my journey. If mm-hmm. if I would have started running while I was drinking, mm-hmm. that's the way it would have gone for me. No no doubt. And I never even considered that. How many other addicts do you think do the same thing? Um, well, I went to Moab in November just to hang out at a race and there was fireball at one of the aid stations and it, it's, <laughs> wow. it's normal as can be. I, now that I'm away from it and I, I see it from a different light, yeah. I, it's, it's so socially acceptable. And I think I would, I think a part of me was just trying to fit in with, with the group of people that I was hanging around with. But were they like doing shots on hope pass or were they just. Like, you know what I mean? Like I used to think every, it was social. Everybody else was drinking like I was and they weren't, they weren't. Nobody was, I mean, in all fairness, I wasn't taking shots. I, I just had pints. I mean, you in my drop drinking bags, it, and I was just drinking it. Was, it. it was your gel <laughs> flask. It, 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 that's exactly, it might as well been. I mean, there's, there's hey, just too much sugar, sugar in there. It's sugar. Yeah. I need carbs to keep going. Oh, How much man. would you drink at one, sh- one point? Like, you brought that to your lips. How much would you take in? During a race or yeah, just during, normal? like on Hope Pass. Um, well, I, I went through a pint between uh, Winfield and Twin Lakes. And then I went through another pint between Twin Lakes. And when I quit at uh, Half Pipe. Damn. So were you drunk? Did you feel? Dude, I didn't feel anything. Fa- yeah. I, don't yeah. Know. I was I was so, my soul was as empty as my whiskey bottle. That's fucked up. <laughs> when wow. I quit and it was the middle of the night, Fuck, I was that empty. Yeah. Yeah, you probably metabolize that stuff so fast anyway. Yeah, your yeah. body's just taking the sugar. Yeah. I was so used to it. I was I was drinking a half a bottle a day. Right. I mean. So you fucking finished. Which hundred did you finish? Uh, Buffalo Run. Buffalo Run. in Utah. And you finished that while drinking. Mm-hmm. How much did you have over the course of that 100-mile run? In all fairness, I didn't start drinking Fireball till mile fifty on that one. Ah. Um, I had a, I had a really conservative big, approach. Yeah, I was just say restrained himself. We call that a sober run. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> I have. I remember having a beer at mile twenty-five, and then I start. I broke out the fire, the box of Fireball at mile fifty. And to be honest, I don't know how much I had throughout throughout the last fifty miles. I, I wasn't carrying a pint at that point in time, so things were obviously okay-ish at that point. <laughs> Fuck, man. See, I don't know. I, I I've never I've never been drunk. I've never drank while running. So I don't, I don't know, but like, seems to me that what, sounds like a beer mile coming. What would have happened to me is as soon as I caught anything that resembled a buzz, I'd have been out. I'd have been at the, I'd have found the nearest bar. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck this. Well, the advantage here is they had a bar all along the way for him. Yeah. I, Shit, I could barely get through 18 holes of golf. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. Wow. Not my finest moment in life. Well, you know, that moment is going to become finer and finer as more time goes by. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a very, very odd thing, man. The, this arc that happens that the first thing you have to do, you know, it's been a couple of years now. You, you have to make some sort of fucking sense of mm-hmm. it, you know, or at least at least hold it all, you know, hold it all, feel it. Make sure you're, you're not still hiding from shit and, you know, drag it all out into the light <laughs> kind of thing. And then if you try to make some sense from it, you, you kind of can. And then there's this big thing of forgiving yourself for it, which is the hardest fucking thing, mm-hmm. you know. And then once some time starts going, all of a sudden, not only do you forgive yourself, not only have you let it go, it starts arranging itself, at least for me in my mind, as a more and more positive thing. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a means for the, the, the launching pad for everything that's happening in your life, you know, the... The, the nothing would have caused me to to be the person that I am now if I wouldn't have fucked up so bad. You know what I mean? Like I mm. I'm amazed by people who somehow explore, you know, their their the content of their character and serve and become selfless and do these things that that didn't do that out of a place of complete destruction. You know, I wouldn't have been that. I would have just continued on my way. So I become very thankful for it. And it's interesting because I can say this now because it'll air by the time my dad hears it, but I just, uh, I did a, a 12 minute video. That's kind of like, it's a wonderful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It was like, I told my dad and I was like, I can't give you the gift George Bailey got, you know, I can't show you what the world would look like without you, but I can kind of create what my world would look like without you. And when in doing that, I kind of had to go over like, and this is not way, the way I intended it to go, but I went over all of the things in my life that turned out to be instrumental and how my dad factored into them, how he, he, you know, what he had taught me, how it, and it was amazing. Cause as I was going over it and I'm just kind of reliving these moments, you know, you know, rock bottom moments and things like that. And, and I'm like, man, these are all the, these are all the greatest moments of my life. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to create the greatest moments of my life for my dad. And they're all like what used to be the most painful, horrible moments of my life. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's called creating character, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, I mean, that's the one thing that, um, the, my father taught me is that, um, it's not, not what we have or what we accomplish. It's what it takes to discourage us. That's the true measure of character. Mm-hmm. And that's right. stood with me forever. So man, like, I mean, just hearing you relive that it's, that's, that's heavy, man. That's really, really fucking heavy. I mean, I knew you were going through some shit, but I don't think I really, touched on it in in a in, you know like it really sunk into me until you you just described what that was like last time we talked i didn't even know there you go that's why through 
the the self-discovery I've been through in the last year, year and a half, two years has Talk about been, it. it's been hard. I have, well, obviously food was an issue. Um, you don't get to 400 pounds if, you know, food is, food's not a problem, but I took food away and I found running and I ran away from my problems. And then when that didn't work, I started drinking my problems. And when that didn't work, I found something else that I'm not really ready to talk about. But then guess what? I found something else. I found this special dark place that I've got and I can just go there. What do you mean when you say you took food away? I, food was my coping mechanism. Okay. And so you took it away as a... I took it away as a coping mechanism. And I, I've talked about it before, but I went from overeating to undereating mm. before I found my balance with food. Mm. And hence the discussion we had when I first walked through the door today, mm-hmm. you know, going through some stressful times, I, I, I still tend to go back to that undereating that, you know, it, food's not a priority. If I'm empty inside, then I don't deserve to eat. That's a pretty amazing swing though, man, because yeah. like I imagine you tried to access that kind of thing previously. I mean, I know I did. I tried to figure out a way to make myself not eat. Oh, absolutely. Like there was times I would have begged to not be hungry. Right. And now I'm begging to be hungry. And I I got to set a timer on my phone that says it's lunchtime. It's time to eat. I do not care if you're hungry or not. Figure it out. Mm. Good training for an ultra, right? Good good training for an ultra. (laughs) Great training for an ultra. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So what's this, what's this year, man? What have you, what have you unpacked in this year? You said it's been a big one. Hmm. What have I unpacked? I have, I found a lot. I found this special dark place that I can go to that I've been going to since I was five years old. And it's the only place in the world that I haven't been alone. And there's been some times when I've been this, this specific year, this last 18 months, there's been some times that I've just been absolutely fucking alone. Mm. And I've, I've gone back to that dark place and there's been no booze. There's been no food. There's been no running. There's been no exercise. There's, there's been nothing there except for just me in this, this little place that I didn't know I was going to. And I was just fucking numb. Yeah. And I I was numb. I mean, I saw you in Leadville this summer. Mm -hmm. The only reason I know I saw you is because there was a picture on my phone. I spent an entire summer in Leadville, and if there weren't pictures, I wouldn't have known I was there. Damn. Wow. I ran... This is like a riddle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I I ran the hardest race I've ever run in Leadville this year, and I learned... I learned that I've got this place where I didn't even remember being there. I I was running by my... I did no pacers. I had one crew member, a couple people supporting me, and I just fucking ran. And I didn't feel an ounce of pain until mile 96. Mm. And I had just, I had taken it. I, I just couldn't stay there any longer. So I just walked in the last four miles. Just didn't give a fuck. Right. Gave up my big belt buckle. I was going to say you finished in like 25 something, right? 25, 46 and yeah. some change. Missed my big belt buckle that I've been searching for for years. Just because I knew I wasn't going to, I could have got there. And I wasn't going to be happy with myself when I crossed the finish line. So I said, fuck it. You weren't going to be happy either way. I wasn't going to be happy either way. Damn. You know, man, it sounds like you got some some deep shit going on there. But I, I will tell you, um, 
that that's pretty common <laughs> in right. Leadville for right. a lot of people to just say, fuck that buckle. It doesn't mean that much. I'm walking <laughs> right, this man, in. Right. <laughs> I'm walking this in. <laughs> yeah. Well, shit, man. So where are you now? Are you in a good place now? Or are you still, still battling, man? Uh, I'm crawling. I'm crawling my way back. Okay. Um, I set a goal in September um, that I was just going to, I got a bunch of trash to take out of my life, clear a lot of clutter. And I, I made a list of all the stuff that's got to go. And there's been some easy shit. I got rid of it. There's been some hard shit. And it'll be over on Sunday. Um, my Kind of my last big hurdle that I've been waiting to get rid of. And once that happens, then we'll see where we go from there. That's but, amazing uh, that you can set a day on it. Most people, that clutter is a process. Well, it's been Coming. it's been September. Sounds like yeah, September yeah. that, you know, right. like going through all of this and uh you know working through all of the issues because this is a big thing if i could have just cut it off i mean i would have been more than happy to just cut it off but this is that very last thing that i feel like is holding me back and then i can i can get a little relief and then i can start moving forward to clearing some more stuff out and Mm. looking forward to a new year so yeah it sounds like the guy quitting the job and telling everybody to fuck off and i'm out of here fuck you motherfucker (laughs) signing up for barclay that's gonna cure me yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude like fuck man i hate to see you suffer like that you know um i can tell you and you 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 already know this but you know when i hear you talk about you know you you used to go to that dark place and you you had the booze and then that was gone then you used to go to the dark place and you had the food and that was gone and then you had the running and you know, obviously the the repeating pattern there is you're looking for something, Yep. you know, and that's a, that game will never end, you know, ever, you know, and it's always going to be something else. And, um, the way that that cycle is broken is in learning that or accepting whatever the fuck you want to call it, that everything you've learned about how to handle life whatever it is, whether it's getting angry, getting sad, getting depressed, eating, not eating, whatever the fuck it is, is a preconditioned response. Right. Just something we learned, you know, and it's been reinforced heavily. And the first step of breaking that cycle is realizing that it's a preconditioned response. Whenever that shit hits and you want to do, take this action, take that action, do this thing, do that thing to interrupt, you know, the, the process that the key to ending that is to say, no, those are all preconditioned responses. And just like the way you became a good runner was to just fucking run, whether it hurt, whether you wanted to, whether it was raining, whether it was fucking a hundred degrees, you just fucking run. You got to sit, you got to just fucking sit and meditate and breathe. You know what I mean, man? You got to grind it out. On Sunday, I, I, I sat there for four fucking hours and just cried my eyes out. Good for you. And just, that was it. Like I, I felt yeah. so much better when I was done yeah. and then I, I let myself feel that pain and it was amazing. I, and then I sat down and I exploded. I mean, I just opened up my computer and just wrote, you know, five, 10,000 words, just nice. Boom, and people pay hundreds for psychoanalysis and all it would have taken is just if they just sit around and cry for four hours. Right? Well, but here's what happens, man. Here's, here's the cycle I see is that some people will get to that place and it's just because because eventually you, something is going to break, right? The pressure mm-hmm. builds and builds and builds and you're on the verge of panic attacks, depression, all that shit. So they fucking collapse mm-hmm. and they cry and they do it. And then they walk away and they're like good for a couple of days. And then they go right back up and pick up their pain again. Right. And they go right back to where they fucking left it right in the middle of that field, right on that kitchen floor, wherever the fuck they were <laughs> and go, Oh yeah, there's my pain. I've been missing you for a while. Why don't you, why don't you yeah. come back in here? We need you. And it's like, 
and I was just telling this with the runners that I coach for the Leadville group. Um, like there's no such thing as a, like you'll never be able to stop bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. At least no way that I've ever fucking heard of. That's cool. Like uh, negative thoughts, all that shit is totally unavoidable, but feeding them your energy is a hundred percent avoidable. Right. You never have to do that. Absolutely. Yep. You're, you're probably going to, cause we're humans and we've learned that. And then, but you do eventually unlearn it. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's takes, that's the word. That's that sitting right. in it. You got to yep. fucking sit in it and you got to protect it. You got to be aware when you start slipping those old habits. And it's, it's funny because I've, I've gotten to the place where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at that, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I closed my gym, was that last year or the year before? I can't even fucking remember. A couple now. years now, yeah. I felt this thing, man, that like, like it didn't bother me that I was closing my gym and I don't want to relive that on a podcast. I've talked about it before. You know, my rent doubled and all this fucking crazy shit happened. Mm-hmm. But I started this weird feeling. It was like, well, wait a minute, man. This gym's been here. I had it for four years. It was here for like six years before I had it. I, you know, ego talking, right? Mm-hmm. I increased, the, tripled the membership base and, you know, bought all new equipment. Now the gym's like thriving. It's busy. Like you fucking walk into that gym and it was packed. And now it's closing under my watch. Yeah. You know, what mm-hmm. the fuck is that? Like now all these people and, and uh, uh, there was a lot of like, um, you know, I had um, a lot of senior citizens, elderly members that I, I was, I don't know, but I, I felt like they're not going to go join another gym. Because mm-hmm. this is like walking distance from their house. So I feel this like, so now the gym's closing. These people aren't going to be working out anymore. And I felt that. And it was an old pattern. And I felt it. And it was weird because it was like a darkness, like you said, that started creeping in. And I hadn't felt it in a while. And it was scary mm-hmm. because I felt the power of it. And what that was previously in my life was fuel to use. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like fuel to And I... Maybe if I would have been a, a runner back in those days, I could have gone and tortured myself on the tra- trail, but I wasn't. I mm-hmm. ate and I drank. And so it felt like, oh, man, this is the kind of thing where I would just go. That 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 would not be wasted. Right? Like I, would, <laughs> I would fucking drink my ass off to that pain. Mm-hmm. And so because there had been that time, it felt self-indulgent to me. It felt like, oh, you, you self-indulgent prick, you know? This gym, guess what? This gym wasn't going to stand as a pillar of fucking civilization for the next 300 years. <laughs> we're going to be talking about that guy who opened up this gym in Louisville, <laughs> right? Get over yourself. It's an impermanent structure, right? You put your heart and soul into it. And yeah, it does suck that it's closing, but you know, move on. And you know, cause I, I, I was good. I, I didn't care that it was, you know, closing for my own, like financial security. I, I'm like, I know that shit's going to work out. I, I, I just know that shit's going to work out. I'm not worried about that, but I started to feel all that guilt and that, and it felt self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're right. It's a pattern of behavior. It is. And that's, that's what I keep, I keep going to is that same pattern of behavior of, you know, you, you do something, it doesn't work out how you want to. And then instead of just moving on and just cutting your losses, what do I do? I I can fix this. I can go after this. I can keep going. And then it fails again. And then you feel like a failure again. And you're like, well, fuck, I'm already, I'm already sunk into this. So I might as well just keep going. Like that's right. business 101. If your money's gone, like get the hell out. Right. Right. And uh, apparently I haven't learned that lesson in all these years. Or it's that replacement, right? It's like, okay, well, I know I don't drink anymore because that hurts me too much. I know I don't eat. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do that. So what else can I do? Right. Yep. <laughs> what, what else fulfills me until, until I can be strong enough to fulfill myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's subtle. It, it can be, it seems obvious, but like, 
Especially when you can say things like, well, I quit drinking. Right. You know, I lost 200 pounds. I mean, yep. you know. Exactly. Those, those are big things. <laughs> those are big things. Those are really and then big a things. lot of these things just kind of sneak in and they just, you just kind of drift into it and you don't really yeah. realize you're drifting into it. And then next thing you know, you're just lost and you're numb. And then a friend asks you a question one day and it wakes you the fuck up. And then you're so grateful that she just smacked you alongside the head. But I, I think it's helpful, man. And this is a great conversation. Like for it's going to help a lot of people listen, I'm sure I hope. But it's it's such an important thing because we feel sometimes like like what we're trying to do in the process is fix everything. Right. Like that. I'm going to reach the point where now I've fixed myself. I've I've solved these issues and now it's going to be over and I can turn on to something else. I can move on in a new direction. And that's not that's not the accurate description of it. Like we do get better. We, mm. we develop new coping skills. We, we lose weight, we get healthier, we get sober, all these things happen. And, and we even do replace the way we think we evolve, but there's never a point of fixing, you know, like the, the problem is judging. We judge our lives instead of living them. You know, we judge our running instead of just running. We judge our weight loss, whatever it is. And, 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 and our choices are, okay, let go of all of that need to make it all make sense, to understand it, to compartmentalize it, to argue it down into these perfectly under, you know, understandable things and then put it away so that it makes sense. And I, now I don't have to go back there. You can do that. Or you can judge everything as, oh, this is a good experience. I want more of this. Ah, this is kind of painful. I don't want any more of that. I'm going to push away from that. And then you spend your whole life, like as everything happens, you're running it through some sort of dichotomy. Do I, oh, oh, that's good. I want to hold on to that. I need more of that. That's terrible. I want to avoid that. And what happens is you're, you're never happy. Mm-hmm. You're never happy with anything that fucking happens in your life, good or bad. You get the job, right? And then you're like, ah, oh, fuck, what happens if I lose it? Or what if that son of a bitch is already gunning for my job? You know, what if he takes it? Or, <laughs> you know, or God forbid you're in sales. I think you were in sales, right? For a long time. Yeah. yeah. Like you start every day at zero, start every month at zero. Like it's a never ending cycle. Yeah. It's like when Patrick Wass said, every coach is hired just to be fired. Right. <laughs> so you, you live there, right? Mm-hmm. In that constant judging and, and holding and clinging or pushing away. Or you just let go of all that shit. And you just experience whatever comes into your life and then then let it let it go. If it stays around, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then when you let go of all that, that judging part of it, you you experience a flow of life. Mm-hmm. Nothing's good or bad. It's just life. And that makes it real easy to handle the toughest things we ever face, like cancer and losing loved ones and heartbreak and divorce and all these things because you're like oh well yeah this is this is an experience of life and this life this experience feels this way this doesn't feel as good as this other thing i did but it's part of life yeah that's why it amazed me um we got together what a couple months ago Mm -hmm. and you were still kind of bumming about your race Mm. and you remember when i first met you Right. Okay, so I was working at Winfield, which for listeners, that's uh, mile 50 of Leadville. I thought you said Wendy's. Wendy's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another job I got fired from, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was, um, anytime I'm injured, which is often, I I, I work the Winfield aid station, and, you know, I've got experience running the race, which is great. The runners come in, and I can give them some pretty sound advice usually, and everybody, as they come in, I say, how you doing? And everybody's like, ah, oh, fuck, I just came over a whole pass. You know, it's like, this sucks. And, you know, most people are not very happy. 
And this guy, he's like, I'm fucking doing great. <laughs> and I, I, I said to him, I said, you're full of shit, mister. <laughs> I said, nobody's oh, wow. doing great. You just came over Hope Pass. And he says, I don't give a damn. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to have a smile on my face. I think he said, no matter what. This was last year? This uh, was 2018. Yeah, 2018. yeah 2018. So I'm going to have a smile on my face no matter what. And I said, God, I like this guy's attitude. I said, I'm going to follow you. Like I said, never knew this guy before. Mm. He was wearing bib number 444. You got it. That's Very easy, easy to, to remember. Yeah, that's yep. easy. <laughs> and, you know, I saw later on, it's like, Jesus Christ, the guy did finish, which was awesome. And I thought, God damn, the, you know, guy was happy at Winfield. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but then I found out he'd been on your podcast a couple months ago and had this whole story. And yeah. I didn't know this whole thing about being 400 pounds and drinking on Hope Pass, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then, um, you know, during the following year, he's like going ape shit training, wants yeah. to get a big buckle and everything. What was your time in 2018, by the way? Uh, 2908. Yeah, 29. And, you know, okay, you didn't make it, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, he just improved his time at Leadville by four hours, you know, which mm-hmm. is like fucking insane. I mean, you know, I, I, I've run it eight times and never finished that well you know and, and certainly never improved and i'm like jesus christ i'd be fucking doing cartwheels and instead he's like uh you know it's like he, he was bumming and it's like wow there's other shit going on obviously because i don't know how anybody could not have been happy with that yeah um well fuck it let's talk about it i, I figured out exactly what i'm looking for i'm okay. looking for love and attention in a way that i understand and i was not surrounded by the people that were going to give it to me mm. and what i found out is I couldn't give it to myself because I was so fucking numb from living in my dark place, from being surrounded by the wrong people that I just, I, I wasn't happy in life. So how the hell could I be happy, you know, crossing a finish line? What does that mean, man? You're looking for love and attention in a way that you can understand. So going through a lot of journals, you know, my, my mom loved me. Okay. Sure. But I didn't understand it. Like you give me Christmas time, right? Like this is, this is a time for gift giving. You can give me all the fucking presents in the world and I don't give a shit. Give me a hug and tell me you love me. Mm. And I was surrounded by gifts my entire life and I could have cared less. So what I found through all of this journaling, I was looking for love and attention and I wasn't getting it from your, my parents. I wasn't getting it from friends. I was getting it from the fucking box of king size Snickers bar that I snuck down into my room. <laughs> I okay. was getting it from the drinking. Yeah. So when you say you were looking for love in a way you could understand, not you are now or you. So yes, I was long time ago and I was looking for it in all of these other places. I was looking for this love and attention for, from all of these places. I was, I was literally changing who I was to try to fit into this group. And when I didn't mm-hmm. fit into that group, I would change myself to fit into this group. And when I didn't fit into that group, I would change myself to fit into this group. So I was never actually being myself Mm-hmm. And no one can love you Fuck yeah, man. or right. you can't love yourself if you're not being yourself. You're not even being, you're not even doing your own shit. No, you're doing, you're doing another else. one else's yeah. expectations. Right. So how the hell can you be happy if you're not yourself? So what I found was I've spent my entire life doing this, trying to live up to everyone else's expectations. I mean, I've always, I've had a nickname. It's either been attached to somebody that's overweight or somebody that's drunk, or someone that's drunk and overweight. <laughs> and so how, how can you quit drinking and how can you lose weight if your whole entire identity is attached to being Billy Bob? You guys remember Varsity Blues? Huh? Like Everyone in, in college, no one knew my real name. They knew me as Billy Bob. How can you quit <laughs> drinking or how can you lose weight if that's who you are? 
And right. so when, when I got out of college, people still called me Billy Bob. When I lost all the weight, well, guess what? I lost myself. I didn't know who the hell I was. No one around me knew who I was. And so I went through this whole entire process of literally losing every single person that I was surrounded with, trying to find out who I was, but I wasn't getting the attention. I wasn't getting the love. So I would just try to fit in. So I ran into the, you know, a wrong group of people who I drank more with. I wasn't getting what I needed from them. So I started having an affair. And then all of a sudden that was gone. So I wasn't getting the love and attention that I wanted there. And so then I went to Leadville and tried to climb Hope Pass. And I really wanted to jump off. But thankfully somebody, you know, like something in my head said, don't do it. And so I got really, really drunk, hoping that if I crossed the finish line in Leadville, I would get the love and attention I wanted. Then I realized I wasn't going to get it. And so I went into this huge depressive state. And then I thankfully woke up to quit drinking, which fixed one issue and brought on a whole nother list of issues that I'm still <laughs> kind of unpacking and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But it boils down to, I just need to be myself because if I'm myself, I'll give myself the love and attention that I need. And I wasn't surrounded by the right people this, and, and over the last year and a half, two years, I had, I was changing myself to fit into a group of people. So I wasn't actually being myself. So I was numb. Like I went into that dark place cause I wasn't actually being who I was supposed to be. Yeah. Man. And that, that's pretty deep. I didn't really think no. we were going to get, go there today, but, uh, Fuck, that's, dude, what show do you think? You're <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's when I got to mile 96. I saw a specific person, um, right, right before the railroad tracks. And I just, it fucking emptied me. And I was like, fuck it. I don't even give a shit. Somebody you knew. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it was, it, it was just this light bulb that went off in my head and, it's like, you know what? Fuck it. This year's not the year. So I walked it in last four miles. Damn. Fuck, dude. There's so much there, man. There's there's so much there. You know, like one of the things that just jumps out at me is that you, to even let some of the people in your life off the hook a little bit, right? Like if there, no one will ever, and, and I'm saying this because I've been in the same exact place you are, mm-hmm. man. And still, you know, we all still battle with that. But no one will ever give you love in a way you understand. Right. Absolutely. Ever. Ever. Right. And it because all, you know it's impossible to know what someone wants or needs or what's important to them. And, you know, I, I, that makes so much sense to me, man. Because you can I've, – I've seen this happen where people have, you know, get all crazy about one word – you know, mm-hmm. you finish a, a hundred mile or something and someone says, that's a, wow, that's pretty fucking impressive. And they go, pretty impressive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the person didn't, wasn't saying anything other than inserting an adjective, right? Like they right, did just, right. because it made the sentence go better. And they'll just like carry that with them forever. Like, what does that mean? Like, that means it's not really that impressive or they're trying to, you know, maybe it really isn't. Maybe a lot of people, you know what I mean? And that's right. that, that game is just so fucking unwinnable, man. And um, that was that was the whole thing, what you just described, that, that I lived, that I wrote in out there, was mm-hmm. I could never lose weight or quit drinking because it was who I am. Right. And you can only change your behaviors temporarily. There's going to be conflict eventually. And I lost 50 pounds 10 times, mm-hmm. but I never stopped being fat Dave. Yep. You know, and I got sober, I'd, you know, go week, week drink without drinking a day, a month, whatever. But eventually it's like, I'm Irish. I drink. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. And when I changed the picture 
of who I was, the behaviors changed automatically. Yep. And I think it's so important um, for people listening, because this is going to be a, 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 you know, how to navigate the holidays sober, mm-hmm. you know, maybe for the first time, maybe for lots of times. It's so important for people to understand that, like, you're, that, that is the, the keys to the kingdom, right? Like, you, you can never, ever live in conflict for, for long periods of time. And when your thoughts and your actions and your beliefs are all in line, that's when you're bulletproof. Yep. That's when what people say doesn't matter. It rolls off you. Things don't upset you. People can say anything and you're just like laugh it off because you, you have you're you're peaceful inside. But when you're what you believe you should be doesn't match what you think you are. Big problem. Huge, huge problem. Or, or even when you who you think you are and 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 what you believe you, you are don't match your actions. That doesn't last very long. Right. You can you can fake it till you make it for a little bit, but eventually you're gonna be like, who the fuck are you kidding? And that's what I do. I like execute nutrition plan perfectly, and then go, who the fuck am I kidding? Right. This is a matter of time before I go to McDonald's. In fact, it's right now. I'm yeah, on my way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, that's so important for people that are out there listening. That that is the first step. That's that's why we need rock bottom. And rock bottom doesn't have anything to do with losing a job or going to jail or anything like that. Rock bottom is just the the point in your life where you realize this is low enough. For some people, that's, I don't know, you know, they get embarrassed. They get too drunk, say something stupid and get embarrassed. That's low enough for them. And other people, they go all the way till they die. But that rock bottom moment is where you, you're willing to let go of all of those pictures of who you think you are and... And, and and that what goes with that is all those preconditioned responses and everything. So it is it's a total deconstruction of a human being. And and but so many times we go into sobriety thinking, well, I know I did. I'll just use me. I got my I got my life together, right? I'm successful in business. You know, I got I got shit going on. I'm setting records. I'm making money. I got I got all kinds of great things. I just need to get my drinking and eating under control. Yep, <laughs> doesn't work that way. Right, doesn't work that way. You have to unbecome to become. Yes. Whatever you want to be. Yeah. And I think we talked last time. I look at myself as an elite athlete, whatever that looks like yeah. to anyone else. When I look at myself in the mirror, I don't have to talk myself into going for a run. I'm like, that's what an elite athlete does. I don't have to, you know, that's why I'm right. struggling with this eating. Like, it's not who I am right now, right? Like, I'm not the person that doesn't eat. I eat like an elite athlete, which is positive food and positive amounts, you know? Yep. So that's that's part of where my struggle is coming from right now is I'm, I'm acting out of who I think I am. And I was sitting at Christmas last year and, uh, I, I have a little plate cause you know, it's Christmas time and my family doesn't eat the best, but I want to go, I want to be a part of it. And so I'm sitting there with my little plate and uh, my brother-in-law looks at me and goes, are you actually going to eat any food? You're, you're getting too skinny. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is what a fucking elite athlete looks like. And this is how they eat. Right. And like that was that was in a conversation. Like right. it was but Wait, they have no idea what you're talking about. They don't they don't have a clue. Right. But that was I mean, that was a little bit of a defense response, but sure. it's that's you know, losing two hundred pounds, running a hundred miles, those were easy compared to trying to get people like my friends and family to see me for who I am rather than right. who I used to be. Like yeah. that is the biggest struggle of my life. Yeah. But they don't have to. That's why I moved to Denver. Yeah, just just fucking picked up and left because. But how people see you is none of your concern. <laughs> when you live in a small town, and you're you're engrossed in that business culture, and they you are one person on the inside. Yep. And they see you as something else. 
it, it causes this cognitive dissonance between you, who they think you are and who you actually are. Yep. Because I wanted to be this person and they treated me like this person, you know, super high versus super low. And the second I moved to Denver, I had instant respect just because when I would walk into a room, people would see me for who I am rather than who they've known me for for the past 15 years. But playing devil's advocate, why is it important? Like that's, that's, if you really are who you are, it doesn't matter. Except when you're trying to get a job and you like, they won't even look at you could, you can have a resume all fucking day long, but what I've done doesn't go on a resume. No. And so if I can't get the meeting with somebody because of some silly piece of paper, then it doesn't do me any, any good. The second that I came to Denver, all I had to do was just walk up to somebody. They didn't have e any preconceived condition or notion of who I was. The second that I opened my mouth, I got the meeting that I wanted and I, I opened the doors that I needed. And it made you totally happily, happy and fulfilled. The only reason it made me totally happy and fulfilled is because <laughs> I got to be me sure. in the position. Cool. Like when, when I'm But what I see, someone, man, I'm challenging you a little bit mm-hmm. on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because what you're seeing, what you're describing is exactly what you identified as your problem. Like now mm-hmm. you're deriving the satisfaction because people are seeing you the way you want them to see you. You'll never win that game. So- I need, I need them to see me as who I am to open the doors to get the meetings. Because once I'm, once I'm in front of a client, I'm Which just you can't me. control. You I'm just me. You can't ever control that. Like if you, if you are who you are, mm-hmm. if that's real, right. right, then it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because, because chasing it, chasing it will rarely deliver that outcome. Right. It, but it, I'm not it, chasing anything. I just need the meetings to get in the doors. Right. I just need I just need to talk to somebody because once I talk to somebody, then they can see me for who I am. Right. So you're talking about just from purely from a a career move, trying to trying to accomplish an objective, but I'm talking about it from a place of satisfaction and contentment with who you are. Right. And I I love my job. Yeah. Like I don't I don't work a second of my day. Yep. And I'm fuck. I was at the club at six o'clock this morning, and I'm here six o'clock at night, and I worked all day. Yeah. And didn't feel one piece of discontent all day long. That's yeah. awesome. And it is awesome, man. But I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that a lot of times, like when we look to our jobs, our careers, our relationships, anything, even if they're really altruistic, and if we look at those things as delivering, being our source of happiness, all of those things are subject to change. Right. All those things are subject to a new boss coming in and not liking you for whatever fucking reason, because who knows, his own personal shit, yeah. right? Like he had a brother who lost weight and fucked his wife or I don't know what the fuck right, would yeah. <laughs> but whatever happened right. so like all of those things like we're taught to believe like we know instinctively it's like every Disney TV show drills us that money and success and all that shit won't make us happy we know that but what we do is we replace that with but what will make you happier the right relationships having kids you know finding the right career finding a job that's not a job you know chasing you do what you love finding what you love all of those things change though and like, there's, there's no job that isn't so perfect that one day it can't feel like it's a prison to. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the real contentment, the real happiness comes from being totally above, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to be, here's, here, here, here let me explain it this way. Where we're taught to, to find what we love, to do what you love, right? But yet what you love can change, right? You can right. say, I love running. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to work in a running store and do all these things. And all of a sudden you can't run anymore 
You know, you get injured, something happens. Now you're in this fucking job. And you're like, all this fucking job does is reminds me that I can't run. Like, you're miserable. Mm-hmm. So instead of finding what we love, instead of saying, this is what I love to do and placing all of our eggs in that basket, it's saying, I want to be able to find love in anything that I do. That I want to be able to be happy and content no matter what it is I'm doing. And once I figure out how to do that, now I just do what I'm passionate about. And if that changes, no worries. Then I can easily move. I can change because I'm not placing my identity on it, right? right? Like that's another another prison. You know, you place your identity on on being big and being drunk and being Irish and being all the things that I did. I'm Big Dave. I work hard. I play hard. And then, you know, you you get out of that and you construct a new prison. You know, now now I'm running. I'm the elite athlete. I'm um, in that because that's what I did, too. And then that can be taken away, too. And then you, you find yourself in a place that's that's not not comfortable because everything's placed on this outside thing that can always be taken away, can always be changed. So that's my challenge to you is just to say, like if you took that same dedication drive, you know, to, to being, I do, I'm an elite athlete. I eat like an elite athlete. I think like an elite athlete. Cause that's what I use too. Same with Josh Lajani, right? Like it's like a, 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 a circle that we all share, but add into that, bake into that, into your identity that you're the person, the peaceful guy, the guy that can walk into any situation of absolute chaos and be calm and peaceful emotionally. That's who you are. You place that identity because the same thing's going to happen. You're going to start seeking that out. You'll start seeking out all of the things that, because that's a real thing. That's a practice. Mm-hmm. That's a life practice just like running or sales or anything else. Absolutely. So that's just, I don't know. That's just, No, I love my, it. Yeah. That's my challenge to you a little bit on it. And you can challenge me. You can tell me to go fuck myself too. No, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because I think maybe through the prism of, of people that are listening, it's, it's really important what we choose to believe and make important in our lives. And it's so easy. And I, I do it. Everyone does it to inadvertently put ourselves in all of these little prisms. Yep. And that's what yep. made me end up at my 5,000th day of recovery out on Hope Pass, the place that I redefined my whole life that brought me everything that I have out there, mm-hmm. lost again, lost on an old familiar trail, not with my kids, because I'd lost it. I'd lost it. I'd made the running, all the, the thing that had saved me, that, that had helped me save myself, that was this tremendous vehicle for self-discovery and growth and all of this positive stuff. And at some point along the way, without even really realizing it, it became another prison for me. And I didn't need to like light it all on fire, you know, because <laughs> that would have been what I would have done. The only, Oh, this is bad. Now I need to fucking totally piss on that and go away. It's just, just to be able to step, step back. Right. I think that's the importance of staying present, staying in the moment and not numbing, numbing everything. And that was the numbing part is what drives me crazy is because I, I got out of the moment. I'd spent so much time being mindful of what I was doing every single day. The fact that I was just going through the day, just trying to get through the fucking day Hmm. and being, being awakened, awoken, whatever it would be from that. Woke was awoke being woke, (laughs) getting smacked alongside the head is actually what happened. One of my, one of my friends is like, hey, you haven't grown in a year. What's your fucking problem? That's a good friend right there. Oh, yeah. beautiful friend. Yeah. Like, so uh, it, it really hit me hard. And uh, Have they grown she, in the last year? 
So um, <laughs> it's it's actually it's it's beautiful. So she's um, she's a, we found each other through Facebook because she's lost half of her body weight as well. Oh shit! And so she has. We've spent the last three four months together because she had skin removal surgery, and mm. it was this has been a really big thing for her. And so we've been on our own journeys, but we've also been on this journey together because of all of the people in all of the world, there's no reason that we should be working in the same club. And the fact that we were placed in the same spot at this exact moment in time has been the most beautiful thing ever. And, uh, I can't even explain what this woman means to me just because, I mean, I've cried on her shoulder. She's cried on my shoulder and she's asked me tough questions and I've asked her tough questions. And we've, we're the only two people that I think could probably work each other through what we're going through at this point in time That's Um, huge, man. due to trust and due to, you know, like male, female due to histories and everything. So that's, uh, yeah, great friend. Yeah. And yes, she has grown and uh, we continue to <laughs> fucking cry and laugh every single day together. And it's been it's been beautiful. That's cool, man. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do totally understand where you're coming from, too, man. Like the need to like I, I had I had to for my own peace of mind just get out of the mattress business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was really tough to do. And oh yeah, because there's a fucking lot of money in it. And, oh, yeah. And there's not, that's what you knew. And, and it was what I was really good at. Yeah. And and it it comes with a nice paycheck it provides you a lot of nice stuff that coaching doesn't yeah <laughs> you know? exactly but so i get it i get it being committed to to clearing out the things that are toxic and and a good example um of like what you're talking about is you know it is true that we have to like monitor our own minds right be responsible for not feeding negative thoughts and all that shit but if you got someone who's constantly planting negative shit in your head you gotta fucking kick them out you gotta go yeah clear the clutter you gotta kick them out yeah. yep so yeah. yeah. And it's, it's crazy you talk about commitment because, um, September, October, uh, I, I grew up in the car business. Like, yeah, I remember talking about money that. is ludicrous there. Right. So yep. I slept in my car at a Walmart September and October of this year. Drove by, you? yeah. Drove by, <laughs> dro- seriously, drove by, there's like eight, eight or nine dealerships between the club and where I was sleeping. And I knew I could walk in any second of mm. any day and mm. probably making close to six figures at the end of the year. Yeah. And I wouldn't well, be sleeping in my car. I wouldn't be starving to death. I mm. wouldn't be going through all this shit. And I like every single day I was like, am I really committed to what the hell I'm doing? Mm. And is there a reason beyond this that, that I'm in this situation? And um, why do you think it was so important for you? Cause I respect that decision by the way. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's who I am and it's, I haven't, I haven't gone through the hell that I've gone through not to help other people mm-hmm. through all of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've become wicked fucking smart over the last several years and it's not like, it's not my experience. It's trying to get my own self through this. I've read a lot yeah. and I've, I've spent a lot of time with this and I spent a lot of time with people that are struggling and I spent a lot of time with people that have uh, gone through weight loss surgery and they get dropped because they have all this medical, this physical medical attention, but there's no mental health attention right. afterward. And so they're stuck in the same middle of change that we've been stuck in They, yeah. You know, they, they just can't eat as much. They're still eating, you know, they're still using food as a coping mechanism. And when yeah. they don't do that, I mean, the, they just, they do the same thing that we've done. You go from food to running, to yep. booze, to women, to gambling, to yep. love, to attention in whatever yep. freaking way you can get it. All the while missing the most important question is what I'm doing making me happy. Right. Exactly. That's it. If the answer is yes, proceed. Right. If it's not, <laughs> rethink. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. No, that's beautiful, man. It is. And, uh, you know, it's, I love your answer to that about like, I didn't come this far to not help other people because there's, there's nothing that you say as a coach, right? Nothing that I say as a coach that hasn't been thought out, experienced, you know, thousands of years back. Like there's no new information out there in all of the wisdom that we're going to, uh, acquire in our lives we've probably already heard it mm-hmm. you know it's 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 out there it's been hiding right in front of us but someday one day you wake up and you see it in a new way and you explore it and you pick it up and then you read something else that confirms it and you 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 somehow unlock it and then it it makes it into your mind it was always there but now it's found a way to live in your whole being you mm-hmm. know it's a really spiritual thing and that makes you uniquely qualified right? to help describe to someone else who needs those lights to come on because they, they've already heard it. And it's just like one of those things, like I can read every book there is about run coaching in Leadville, but I'm shit as a coach if I haven't run it. Right. Right. Cause I have no real depth. All I'm doing is repeating things I've heard. So, so many times you hear from from coaches, life coaches, whatever people, they, they repeat these kind of things, but everyone's heard all that shit before they need to know about you. And that's what you do. You're giving yourself away to those people. So, and that's, that's to me the most, that's the most. Yep. Actually, like every time it, you meet a psychiatrist, they've been through therapy themselves. Right. Yeah. Well, right. that's they've another issue. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I always avoided those girls in college who said they wanted to be psychology majors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how many, what, what Christmas is this for you as a sober man? Is this two or three? Uh, this will be, let's see, 17, 18. This will actually be number three. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you got started, in early. Yep. Started in August. So. Yeah. Same with me. What is your yeah. sobriety date? I don't know. The uh, weekend after Leadville. Oh, okay. 2017, <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah. that is. Yeah. 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 So what, um, what's that look like, man? How, how, what, what actually, what was, what was it like before we did, were the holidays tough on you before? Holidays were actually pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, holiday parties. Yeah. Uh, that was the part that uh, wasn't very easy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just, I don't even think about it anymore. It's just not an, it's a non-issue for me because I'm just the guy that doesn't drink. Yeah. That's I, who you are. Yeah. That's who I am. I order my sparkling water with a lime and nobody says a word. And Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's beautiful. And you never believed that before because you're trying to fit in. I was trying to fit in. Right. I, w- I was supposed to be drunk. Yeah. Because when Gary got drunk, he got really, really fun. And now I'm just really, really fun and just right. really, really sober. You're as fun as Billy Bob was? Uh, uh. I think I've, I don't know. I've done some pretty crazy shit right. sober. So Okay. <laughs> Big Dave was fun for like the first seven or eight. And then, then he got kind of. He was an asshole. <laughs> he thought he was funny. Right. Right. right <laughs> his, yeah. his humor got a little bit of an edge to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the difference now was what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think my jokes are more directed at myself now than other people. Probably. Here you go. <laughs> so um, this. Except ho- Red Sox fans. Oh, God. Yeah. They, they are deplorables. Yes. They? The only yeah. two, true deplorable part of society is Red Sox fans. Without a doubt. <laughs> the only ones that are, they have no hope. No. There's no hope. No. Nope. Who are the Red Sox? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there 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 there's no therapy for them. No. No. <laughs> no. So, 
It's Christmas time, man. People are out there. Um, it is a tough time for a lot of people. It is. Um, yep. It was never really. I, I, I acted out. And, and the holidays and, mm-hmm. and, and notably wrote about some of those. <laughs> but um, it wasn't a tough time for me in the sense that um, it wasn't a, a, a depressing time or anything mm-hmm. like that. Do you have because you've been talking a lot about depression and what you've been through even recently right after Leadville, mm-hmm. which brought you through the holidays and all that. Do you have um, do you have something you want to talk about when it comes to. Does it, does it, did it make it worse for you seeing other people being happy and thinking, ah, oh, I should be fucking happy. Why aren't I happy? Or was it just totally non sequitur? I think I was so focused on myself as, mm. as selfish as that sounds. No. Um, but I was, I was so fucked up that I had to focus on myself. Like I couldn't be worried about what this person was doing or what that person was doing. But uh, as far as advice, you know, this can be a lonely time. And pick up the phone and call somebody, call a friend, you know, call a counselor. If, if you're struggling, if you're, if you're struggling not drinking and if that is your coping mechanism, pick up the phone and call, call somebody, get out of your own head. Because I, I know, even though I don't, I don't drink anymore, when I get in my own head, that's when I go to my other coping mechanisms. And so it, it, for me, it helps to talk to somebody, even if it's just a simple text message, even if it's a simple phone call. You know, if, if it's a counselor, if it's a professional, whoever it is, if you're struggling with that and it's between the bottle and the booze or picking up your cell phone and making a phone call, pick up your phone call. And Just, yet that's so hard to do. It's, it takes it's courage and so strength beyond anything we can ever imagine because the easy route is to go to the store or to go to the cupboard, open the bottle. And just say, fuck it. Well, yeah, because it's easy to even say, I don't want to bother anyone. It's not their fucking problems. This is my fucking problems, right? Like, it's easy to right. fall on your sword. Yeah. And it's funny because that's that's like, that's how sobriety is killed. That's how 100 milers are killed. That's how anything's killed is being in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, the pain, whatever it is we're feeling, the pain inside is always worse than what it is. What's the cliche in AA? Your mind's like a bad neighborhood. Don't go there alone, especially after dark. <laughs> especially after dark. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it is a real thing, man. I mean, a lot of people suffer during the holidays. Yeah. And, and I think it's because, you know, it's the time of year where, you know, you're, I mean, it's, it's kind of changed a little bit nowadays because you're, you're, with social media, you're, you're inundated with these images of everybody being leading the perfect lives anyway. But that really comes to, to, to root in a, in a very personal way on the holidays where you're seeing all this stuff. It's like families are together. Every Christmas movie is about a family reconciling some deep, terrible, you know, thing that's happened in their lives. And then Christmas changes it all. And there's the miracle. And, and that's tough. That's tough. When, when you, when you feel that you see it and you want it and it feels like you, you, you can't have it. So let me ask this as the sober person, yeah. or, or I shouldn't say sober, I'm not sober, but you know, the non-alcoholic is- There's a very it, big difference between <laughs> sober and not, no, yeah, I don't know where the hell I was going with that. I've, I, I can't even believe that word came out of my mouth. I'm a sober person. That's, that's fucked up. No, but if you're even surrounded by your family, but you're still lonely, and you feel like oh, yeah. you need to go find that other crutch, how does that work? That doesn't- uh, and again, maybe it's because I feel comfortable in my own skin. If you know, my family's all back east. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get invited over for somebody's Christmas dinner or something, fantastic! I'll have a great time doing that. If I don't, I'm okay with that too. 
I will sit home and I'm going to open myself up to a lot of barbs here, but I could sit down there with my stamp collection and be just Jesus as happy. I know. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah, right. I know. But it's like, how is it you could be surrounded by family and everything that people think is Christmas and yet still be lonely? That sounds way sadder than being alone with a bottle of booze, being alone with a fucking book of stamps. Yeah. <laughs> it's my addiction. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, man? Uh, that, that's a good question because I bet it happens more than people are willing to admit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're you're surrounded by what's supposed to be love and you're not receiving it in a way you understand. And this goes back to the love and attention that you understand. Like, right. if you give me a gift, uh, you, you just insulted me, actually. Like, give mm. me a fucking hug and tell, you, tell me that you love me. Like, that, I'm that simple. But if you don't know that that's what you need, yeah. then you're going to go to your coping mechanism or mm. you're going to be in your own head super duper alone. And so... And uh, what's the solution to that problem? That's a great question. I'm, I think yeah. that's the million dollar question that... Well, I, that, think, I think that what the solution to that problem is, is, is the only solution to that problem is changing how you think. True. Because right? you can't change them. Right. And what's, what's even worse is that they're giving you a gift as an act of love. Right. Right. That is their intention. Yep. And so we, the only way we'll ever be able to change that is to try to see that. Because we do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. We do the same thing. We go, I'm not going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a hug because I love you and you're important to me. And the other person is like, wow. That guy was they, cheap. Not <laughs> even that. No, but why, why wouldn't they Why wouldn't right. they buy me a gift? Right. Did right. They, they bought a gift for that person. And, and literally, they might have right. bought the person a gift because they don't care about him as much. That's exactly you know what it. I mean? Like, yeah. And so we, we get that fucked up. We get it twisted around. And you can never win that game. It's impossible. Nope. Right. The only thing you have to, you, you have to create a narrative in your head. You do. And you can either accept that people are all basically doing the best they can in the moment. They really are. Right. I believe that with all my heart. Even in my worst moments, I was doing the best I could. Doesn't mean I couldn't do better the, the very next moment, right? Like <laughs> literally from moment to moment. But in that moment, like no no one no one's really bad. I mean, there there are a few sociopaths, psychopaths, you know, it's serial killers, all that fucking shit. You're talking about the, the people that you're going to bump into over the course of your life. They're good people. And even the ones that are the most aggressive, the most angry, the most, they're the ones that have usually been hurt. Right. And when I think about all the ways, the times that I acted out at people, you know, someone would just, I don't know, not refund my purchase or something. And I fucking screaming at him and yelling, you know, what was happening there? Like they, I, I'm, I'm feeling disrespected. I don't feel very valuable. So I'm, I'm not pushing back against their fucking return policy. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and they wouldn't be doing that if they were, you know, all of that kind of internal shit. So we, we have to change that. And, and that goes perfectly into the, what I wanted to say about what you said. Addiction and alcoholism specifically, they're all diseases of isolation. We isolate ourselves as addicts and then we complain that everyone left us. Right. Wow. We, 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 we cut ourselves off from the world. Right. And then use it as dark fuel energy to keep cutting people out and to drinking because no one fucking loves me and I, no one understands me and I'm all alone. And that's that that self-perpetuating cycle that we get into. And it's so obvious at times, you know, especially when family members are like pulling their fucking hair out, trying to get you into rehab, trying to help people out. You know, they're like, you, you, there's very there are some addicts. And I deal with them who are truly alone in terms of family. You know, they're orphaned. They have no one around them. But even those people, there's usually someone around them. Uh, 
a, a, someone at church, someone at work, someone on the same corner that they live on because they're homeless. Like there's usually love around and we, we, we shut ourselves off from it. And that feels so terrible because you, you literally are, there's no chance you are going to experience or feel love Not with that attitude. when you've turned it off. Right. It's, it's, it's impossible. And people will even direct it right on you and tell you, I love you. And you're like, ah, that's bullshit. <laughs> Fucking love me. Why would you love me? I don't even love me. That's, that's something that I was just thinking about is a lot of these people don't actually believe they deserve love. Yes. Because right. either they've A, not, never had it, or they had it one time and somebody took it away. And so yeah. they're like, well, fuck, I guess I don't deserve this anymore. Or they're just afraid to get hurt again. I mean, that, yep. that was it for me. You know, like, you know, I'm going to, but every time, every, looking back, you know, all the times I felt alone in, in even today, even when you feel like, oh, you know, nothing's happening. I'm all alone. I don't have much. You've shut yourself off. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could go out there and find it. You can find love and connection, believe it or not, even in like grocery stores or coffee shops. And you'd be amazed. You know this. I, I know you know this and you do too. But like how deep a connection you can make with someone in a short period of time when you drop all of that shit that stands in between you. Like, how is this person perceiving me? I need him to think about me in this way. And I was just in the locker room at Lifetime the other day and a guy came limping in. I was like, uh-oh, a limp. <laughs> like, did, did you do something or, or what's going on? And we ended up like having a big conversation. He replaced his knee and we we're talking about all that stuff and my injuries and his injuries and his family and the holidays. And it's, it's just amazing how, and it just started from, from me just opening up to somebody. You know, so right. just opening up and then they, they see that and people respond to it typically. Mm-hmm. And I, I go into New York all the time where we grew up right. and I have amazing experience every time I go to New York. Well, how can you not? I know, <laughs> but I'm like, but people do, they go in there and they're like ah, a bunch of rude motherfuckers, assholes. This and I'm like, those people are there, but wh- why are you looking for them? Right. You know, cause right. there's, there's yeah. a bunch of other people who are just like kind of starving for connection because yeah. they're sitting there not making any eye contact with anybody, you know, just so shut off themselves that it, it takes them off guard a little bit when you go, hey, how's it going? And they look over at you and you're, you know, you're not shitting yourself and smoking a crack pipe. So you look like you can be <laughs> talked to. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but to like that, that's the thing is like to your point, you know, get on the phone, make a phone call, do that. Even if you don't want to do that, the fuck out of your house. Yeah. You know, put your fucking coat on. Put your shoes on, go to Starbucks, and before you walk in there, don't go to the bar, go to Starbucks, (laughs) and before you walk in there, make up your mind that you're going to try to connect with as many people as you can. You know what I mean? Like you're going to, you're going to go in there, you're going to make eye contact, you're going to say hi, you're going to say hello. And if someone's busy and too caught up in doing their own thing, that's on them. You just move on to the next person and just see what's out there. See what's out there. I love the grocery store. Yeah, me too. Like I will walk through the grocery store for an hour. And buy like, I don't know, I'll buy some bananas or something, but I will just, the flow of energy and the, the flow of people and food is love. I mean, come on. People, a lot of people are happy. Well, for you guys, for once, once, I'll get, I'll get calls right. on that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, people smile. If you, if you can make eye contact, smile with somebody, say hello, you can change their entire day. Yes. And yep. I've had, I've had, you know, just like Starbucks, I've had beautiful conversations in the grocery store, you know, 20, 30 seconds long. I once got a girlfriend in the grocery store. <laughs> I'm not kidding. All right. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And, and this is, he's going to make fun of the story again, but um, I, I was in the mushrooms, uh, in, in, the, in, in the mushrooms of the produce section there. 
And uh, I, okay, I, wait a minute. Your last two things have been mushrooms and stamps. Anyway, sorry. They're both legal in Denver now. So uh, <laughs> do they have do they have mushroom stamps? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Ab- they actually do. You got any topic you want? Actually, yeah. any topic. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a collection of the marathon race on stamps. I don't want to know. You don't want to know about it. Never mind. But in any case, <laughs> Tell me no. about the girl you picked up. Yeah, you, so, you stalked at King's Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> picked her up there because um, I made a con- I saw this cute girl made this comment about the price of mushrooms. And she, go- <laughs> and she goes, how do you think I feel? I'm from the mushroom capital. Oh, shit. What's the mushroom capital? Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I had gone to college in Philly, and I said, oh, wow. wow, you're from Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. And here was the funny thing. This is back when the old Colorado Rockies hockey team was in town. Don Cherry. Yes, Don Cherry. Very good. Yes, And uh, Bubba Beck, right? <laughs> Gary has no idea what we're talking about. He doesn't no, even know what a grocery well, store is. He doesn't know what a hockey what's, puck is. What's, what's hockey? What's yeah. baseball? I don't know. <laughs> As Don Rickles said, you hockey puck. No. <laughs> no, but I had two tickets in my pocket for that night's Colorado Rockies-Philadelphia Flyers game. Mm. And I said, hey, how about if we go to the game? And boom, there we go. Whoa. Nice. In the mushrooms. Wow. <laughs> so buy hockey tickets and go hang out in the mushroom section. And you got yourself. There, there's your attention that's for just, the that, evening. That's the, just, my so, parable for the program. <laughs> if I understood you correctly, watch hockey, <clears throat> go to the grocery store, and hand out mushroom stamps. Say, and collect stamps, right? Yep. Because, you know, you look the, actually what it is, there's, there's acid on the back of the stamps. <laughs> I got it. You, you get high. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but I digress. Boy, we digressed. <laughs> That's how you meet people, man. That's right. how you connect right there. All right, so... That's I how you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, man, you made a really, really important point um, about how when you go and you connect with people at the grocery store, that you're making their day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, 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 that really is the difference between, you know, like, like the example that I gave and I, I, I kind of poorly described it. Cause if you go to the store, the whatever to, to go try to get something out of it personally, like if that's like your ultimate gain, um, that might not work well for you. But if you go in and try to make everybody else's day, like you said, like you go in there and like, I'm going to just try to be happy and make people smile. And, 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 and you're like pushing it in that direction. You're not going there trying to absorb it for yourself. You'll find that when you do that, it just comes back to you naturally. Absolutely. Actually, you know what I like? I go to the grocery store after the Broncos <laughs> have lost a game. <laughs> and then I get to the cashier and I say, how you doing? And they go, rrr, 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 and I'm like, ah, that's too bad. Broncos suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah. So I do it for myself there. Well, you know, yeah. in, in your defense, the Broncos do suck. So, you know, there's that. What are the Broncos? <laughs> you, they, you guys got to pull this back. A volleyball they're, team. They're another hockey volleyball team. team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, they're not cool enough to be a hockey team. Never, never mind. You know, man, though, I, I really do think that in, in our hearts that human beings are good. You know, and I think that I, for me, I used to love, I still do, man. I used to love Christmas so much. I used to, I was one of those freaks. That would just like my my whole life was a countdown from December 26th back to like December 1st or November 1st or somewhere in there when I could start celebrating. July 1st yeah, when yeah. you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because I remember talking about this as, as late into my sobriety as like five or six years into my sobriety where I would get this really bad post-holiday depression. I mean, really bad. 
like terrible. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's a letdown. And, and yeah. I, yeah, I would like, you know, plan out the holidays all year and it'd be this big thing. And I would take time off of work and, and I would, um, and it was all this really good stuff. It's not like I, I'm not, I was never really like totally into the commercialism party, even though I do like to buy gifts, but mm-hmm. we're always sending stuff, you know, um, care packages out to the troops and donating things and going down to the police stations and finding the families that need toys. And it was just this amazing experience. And then it would be, it would just end. And I w- it would take me three, four, five days to just, just feeling like life was yeah. almost unlivable. So when you were in the mattress business, did you do like Crazy David's Christmas in July sale? You've seen some of the ads out there. <laughs> no, right. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, know, Christmas year round. But no, that makes sense. You know, I've, I've talked to um, big time athletes who like after... Post-event. Yeah, post-event. They have almost suicidal feelings, even you know, such a letdown afterward. Not that they're going to do jump off a bridge, but Unless it's tough. Does. Yeah, lots of the Bronco fans, right? <laughs> I meant the actual Broncos. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, like, um, and I remember telling a friend about it, right? And and, and, and my friend Dan, he's like, let me get this right. Like, you're like blissfully, stupidly happy 360 days a year and then five days you feel down. Like, yeah, <laughs> I would stick with that if I were you. And that was enough to kind of get me through it for a while. But what I finally eventually realized, and now I'm, I'm still as big a fan of Christmas, but it has nowhere near the pull. Because I, I, I feel like um, as human beings, like I have such a cynical heart, right? I just believe that people were going to fuck you. So you should probably fuck them before they fuck you. Mm-hmm. And that the whole point of life was to maybe collect a handful of people who really did have your back, you know? And then that was the, mm-hmm. you had family, you can trust your family, you know, most, most of the time right? <laughs> you trust your family. So you, you, you protect them with a fucking vengeance. You kill someone for fucking with your family. And then you find a few friends here and there that, that are just, that you'd be willing to go for war, <clears throat> excuse me, go to war for. And that was it. And then you, you have to be very, you know, judicious with who you let in that circle. Cause at the root people are terrible. Hmm. And that was like a very big part of my outlook on life. And obviously That's it, terrible. it is, it's horrible. Yeah. And, um, and so, but every, what would happen is every December, I would allow myself to buy into this illusion hmm. that people were good, that Ebenezer Scrooge is possible, that you could be the miser, the terrible person, you know, that kicks orphans in the street and you could wake up one morning, Christmas miracle and, and have this big revival. And I would allow myself to buy into this. And, 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 and even in my own life, I'd start doing things that... I wouldn't do before. I'd be so much nicer to people and more charitable and, and it just make me feel great. You know, I'd feel so good about myself and other people. And then Christmas would end and be like, all right, back to this fucking God forsaken hell hole. <laughs> right. You know, I never articulated it that way, but that's the way it must've been internally. Mm-hmm. And what a terrible thing. And I, and I think that, that, in a smaller degree that, that that's what Christmas is for a lot of people. It's the time of year where we suspend our cynicism a little bit. We're a little quicker to be nice, a little quicker to make eye contact. And the reality is, though, is that that miracle exists every single day. You know what I mean? You, oh, yeah. you can bring that into your life right now, um, you know, on July 1st, on any day. And you've heard me do videos and things about treating everybody, treating people like it's their last day in the world. Like that's, that's in, in that, that kind of attitude brings me that same Christmas fix I used to get every single fucking day. And the un, the unplanned carryover from that was, I don't have the post holiday depression anymore, man. Beautiful. 
and that's what it was, man. It was that, that I was basically denying myself this, this beautiful experience of just taking care of other people and believing in other people, believing the best of other people, not even myself, believe in other people. And that that brought out the best in me and made me feel good. And that I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to wait for that. Sure. Get to live it 12 months a year rather than, yeah. you know, wait, wait 11 to spend 25 days doing it. Isn't it crazy? Be hung over for five, six oh, days. God, not to mention that. And my wife, who only knows me, my ex-wife, as crazy Christmas Dave, you know, <laughs> like she just freaks out now. Like yeah. when, when like that, you know, I take my tree down usually by the, before January 1st. <laughs> and that but, tree would be up from November 1st to my birthday sometimes <laughs> in February. Yeah. But isn't that the whole story of It's a Wonderful Life? It is. Yeah. You just re- regurgitated that whole movie. Actually, I think it's more Bill Murray's Scrooged. (laughs) 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 It's a Wonderful Life, though, is is another story, though, that's how much we really do impact other people. That goes back to the isolation thing, right? We, We cut ourselves off. We think we don't matter. And the reality is we all have a very big effect. Right. Everything we do matters. Yeah. There are no ordinary moments. That's right. Have you ever read? No. Nope. I've, I've seen It's a <laughs> Wonderful Life, it. though. You yeah. have? I have. That's probably the last movie I saw. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last time you went to the movie theater? What movie did you see? Oh. I went and saw one of the Avengers movies with my boys. Right. I think it might have been the Endgame or something like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, you're doing better than I am there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been to two movies in the last 20 years. You've never I've... seen The Matrix? No. You haven't? No. What the fuck is going on? How do you know. spell Matrix? I don't. I, don't <laughs> I mean, who's in it? Keanu Reeves. Whoever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Larry Fishburne and... Larry Fine? What? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. What? <laughs> so do you follow politics? No. Nothing. No. Nope. Do you know who's president? Trump. <laughs> I, I do know that. Do you know who's running for president against him? No idea. None of the people. No. Nope. That's amazing. Wow, because that's, that's out there. Because there's that's only like amazing. you could have could have named one out of the, out of the sixty. He had, he didn't know any of the music that I like asked him to pick out a song. Yeah, I felt like, like an idiot. Last I was like, pick out a song, somewhere. man. Pick out a song so I can like I just used to do the bumper music until right. like I realized I was infringing on people's copyrights and. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, just pick out a song. I don't really listen to music. I'm like, yeah, you do. Come on, just pick out something. Well, I remember you asked me what I listened to, and I'm like, uh, uh, Springsteen. That, that was right. like, uh, that's my only preset on my radio is the uh, Sirius XM Springsteen station. And that's all I listen to. What's your best Christmas memory, Bill? Oh, you're Jewish. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, I invited the Jew on the Christmas podcast. <laughs> what other Jews do oh, in well, New so, York? We went out for Chinese food. All right. So yeah, since, since we're doing an interview about Christmas and you're Jewish, why did you kill Jesus? That son of, no. <laughs> because did, the Pope told me to? Did you see, there's, no, no to, to Gary. Did you see a movie, it's a no to you too. I don't know, I'm just talking to people who are listening. <laughs> just talking to people who are listening. There's a movie with Seth Rogen, I think it's called The Last Night or something like that. It's a pretty new movie. Fucking hilarious. That's where that line, why did you, you kill Jesus? You told me about that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like two, two guys, uh, and or three guys, and one of them's a Jew, go out on this like, last hurrah Christmas tradition thing that turns into a crazy party with cocaine and hookers. It's everything that Christmas is supposed to be. That warms my heart. <laughs> Sounds like there's a time I probably would have been and enjoyed that. <laughs> I still enjoyed it, man. It was like you probably funny. did that. Yeah. 
Okay, what? The uh, I'm okay, Gary. <laughs> what's your best <laughs> Christmas memory? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. That's a that's a good one. We you don't have invited a, some good guests here. You don't, you don't, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this question. I the, was expecting. I wasn't deep, expecting deep the theoretical questions. Um, uh, last one was last year was really great. Actually, was it? yeah, it was. It was the first time that it was kind of post my destruction. Um, Nikki, Nikki, and I and the boys, we all got together, and uh, everybody just got along. And it was, it was not how Christmas is quote unquote supposed to be because the marriage mm-hmm. is over, and you know, yep. like family looks different is different. But in our way, it was it was perfect for us. It was what we needed to heal so that we can move forward as as our family. What that looks like going forward. And our family looks different from everyone else's or well, many other people's, but it's how our family is. And it was, it was a special, a special time for us, you know, cookies and milk um, for Santa Claus and presents on Christmas morning and just spending the whole day together. Neat. Dude, you know, what's cool about that is that I, th- I think that that's, that's the key. You hit on something, man. Like what, one of the reasons why I think Christmas can be so stressful to people and this isn't the like the depression side of it right, right. The, the, the isolation side of it but just in general stressful terms is that we we think about our happy christmas memories as kids or it's a wonderful life or whatever mm-hmm. these pictures of what christmas is supposed to be and then we try to to duplicate it we go i'm going to have a christmas party and then we're going to do a gift exchange and we're going to have everybody sit sing silent night you know and you start like creating this orchestration of what christmas is supposed to be and then it doesn't match up. Right. So you feel that frustration, which is that's, that's what life is. That's frustration in life whenever you try to orchestrate it and it doesn't match up. But the reality is that most of the best Christmas memories people talk about, including yours, are just some random thing that happened. Right? It's like organic. You, you, yeah. It's organic. It just yeah. happened. It was simple. It was just some little tiny thing that happened. It's never the big, you know beautiful pageantry of white Christmas or something like that. So like if you go into the holidays, just open to whatever's going to happen with no expectation, you probably have the best Christmas you ever had. Sure. It's beautiful. Or, yeah. or just Kwanzaa be or what do you celebrate? Chinooka. <laughs> <laughs> are there, are there, are there actually eight crazy nights? Strippers, cocaine. Yeah. All, all works. All right. What did we miss? What do we need to, what wisdom do we need to drop on people on this Christmas week? Because this is, you know, we missed out the part about the chocolate Easter bunny. Yeah, that's another conversation. (laughs) You have to be invited to my very exclusive Christmas party to know about the chocolate Easter bunny. Right. But it is a Christmas tradition. It's a a Christmas miracle. All four people. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that we did a, a radio show a couple years ago about Christmas and, um, you had a friend uh, that was fighting cancer. Do you remember that story? Um, was or, this uh, my friend Paul who died of prostate cancer? I think a, so. a pancreatic cancer, I mean. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, can you share that story a little bit? Yeah, it was cool. Um, it, it's kind of been the basis, uh, kind of started me on, and this is a whole different podcast maybe, the, yeah. kind of my journey in terms of trying to be positive in, in the way I think. Paul was a good running buddy of mine. And, uh, you know, great guy. And he was about three weeks away from passing away from pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uncurable. He's already, you know, already given up treatment. And I spoke with him and he was incredibly upbeat. 
it blew me away. I'm like, I said to him, how the fuck can you be positive right now? And he says, it doesn't help to have a bad attitude. Might as well have a good attitude. Hmm. And that just blew me away at the time. It took yeah. me a long time to process that. And, you know, he passed away, like, say, three weeks later. He was um, one year younger than I am right now. Hmm. Uh, this was probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And it took me a while to process that. I couldn't imagine that. Knowing that you're about to die, having a good attitude. Hmm. You know, it, it was cool. What are you going to do? Exactly. Can't fight it. Can't fight it. Yeah. Anything uh, Anything you want to end with, Mr. Stotler? Don't wait for the new year to change. Oh, I love that. Just make a no. change now. Just make a decision and just fucking go with it. And, you know, I say that all the time. That. It could be April 27th. Doesn't matter. Just do it. Yeah. You know? If I would have waited for the new year, I'd still, I'd be 500 pounds. I wouldn't be 400 pounds. Or, you know, I'd be a drunk or something. If I would have right. waited for the new year. I love that. It's uh, just do it now. Make the decision and just move forward. Yeah, if you if you think that you're going to have something on January 1 that you <laughs> don't have now, you're lying to yourself. Eventually, you're going to have to wake up one day and make that choice on that day. That's right. Yeah. Make every day January 1st if, if you need a right. if you and need if, a date for it. And if it's not now, why? Yeah. What are you waiting for? Right? That that's a good question. What are you waiting for? If there's something you want to do, why not? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think you have much better chance of success that way because if you're looking for the artificial, I mean, let's face it, January 1st, New Year's is an artificial date anyway. It's arbitrary. I don't you know? know the math behind this, but I bet you if there were a way to calculate and graph the days of the year that have the most change sobriety dates, with, I bet you January 1st would be the least popular one. I bet it probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're waiting for January 1st, you've fucking got nothing. Right. You got nothing. You got nothing. You need to look in the mirror right now. I love that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Look in the mirror and talk to that person. Yeah. He's a real person. Yeah. She's a real person. That's the only person that matters. Yeah. So uh, I know you're trying to wrap this up, but just, just this past Saturday, I had lunch with a kid I used to coach who had one time been 500 pounds. And... It was, it was cool because um, I used to coach him. He was a discus and shot put thrower, but he wasn't healthy, obviously. He wasn't strong. He was just huge. And I mean, he wasn't 500 in high school, but he got to be 500. And I would see him. He used to work at the Safeway near me, and I would see him in there all the time getting bigger and bigger. Mm. Nicest guy in the world. And you always thought, God damn, that guy is going to kill himself, you know? And um, like I said, I had lunch with him this past Saturday, um, and he made a decision. And again, it wasn't any particular thing. He just looked at himself in the mirror. That's mm-hmm. what he told me. So he looked and just did not like what he saw and decided it was time to do something about it. And he had the um, lap band surgery. But as you guys know, that's not the cure-all. Fuck no. You got to right. change your whole lifestyle too. And he had some tr- struggles with people who didn't quite understand that he was being a different person than he used to be. But uh, he was determined. I-, I tell you, I'm proud as hell of this guy. Um, he's now 200. So he's literally 40% of what he used to weigh. Mm. Um, he's run up to half marathons now. He's done three half marathons. He's looking at maybe doing a marathon someday. But but it was exactly that. It was the kid who just said, I, I can't take this anymore. I, I saw, what he, saw what he saw in the mirror, and that's it. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. it's very cool. And I think the reason why people doubt people like that, you know what I mean? Like that, it's, They don't doubt that person. They doubt themselves. Right. 
you know, you know what I mean? Like, and that's to your point. They like, project their insecurities yeah. on other people. They almost don't want you to succeed in a weird way. And not because they're bad people, but because it touches a very uncomfortable part of them. If you get, if you get good enough and they don't keep up, then you're going to leave them. Yeah. And they know that. Right. And yeah. So they don't like, why would I want you to succeed if you're going to leave me anyways? Cause yeah. I'm not going to change. Like, well, yeah. And, and, and I've bought into, I feel comfortable right now cause I've bought into the idea that people can't really change right. and that's letting me off the hook and here you are changing. So it's not, it's not even about how I feel about you. Right. It really isn't. And it, and it never is what yeah. people say. It really isn't. I'll, I just want to end on, um, I remember I was at, I was as a guide at the Leadville training camp one year and I got into this big conversation with this guy, about happiness and life change and stuff like that. And, but he was one of these guys, he's like kind of an engineer guy and just didn't want to let it go. Right. He didn't want the, the anecdotal answers or, or anything like that. He's like, you gotta give me something specific. You gotta, you gotta give me like, how do I do it? How do I become? And, um, he challenged me a lot, you know, and, uh, we would, we were doing the double hope together. And finally I was like, okay, all right, let's make it simple. Let's, let's keep it simple today. I, I can't find the words to adequately describe to you how to be happy for your life. You know, I've been, I tried the angles of like happiness is a discipline. You know, it's, it's, it's something you have to choose for no good reason and then protect it. It has to become, and none of that stuff worked. And I'm like, you want to be happy. You are born to be happy. Everything that makes you unhappy is something you learned. Something that's been <laughs> written over your natural state of being happy. And to prove that to you, instead of trying to have these big conversations about happiness, do you think you could become today the happiest person in the Leadville training camp? Ooh. And he looked at me and he smiled and he went, yeah. I'm like, that's how you do it. That's how you do it, man. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Just it's a mindset. That's it. Yeah. You know how to do that. And the only thing that changed is I made it small for you. And what did you think? You thought, oh, uh, I guess I'd have to smile. I'd have to start laughing. I'd have to start engaging other people. And your brain did this thing. It switched. It said, oh, that's small enough. I could make that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you say, how can I be happy for the rest of my life? Can't do it. So that's, that's just the kind of the note I want to end with that, that don't make it too big. Don't try to make this a great Christmas, a great year, a new year to Gary's point, you know, just make today great. Make today great. Make, be the yeah. happiest person on the block today. The happiest person at King Supers in the mushroom section. <laughs> <laughs> be the happiest person at work, wherever it is that you're going. And, and give that eye contact, you know, make that connection. You know, I guess I'll end on, on repeating what I put out on Facebook last week that, you know, you've heard this being said a million times that you can, you should live every day like you're dying, you know, and there's even a country song. I think about it. Like probably I went skydiving and all that. It's <laughs> totally unrealistic, right? It's, 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 it's inspirational bullshit because <laughs> if today were my last day, I wouldn't be here. You know, I wouldn't be having a podcast with you guys. I would, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have gone to the gym this morning. I wouldn't do, I would be doing something other than my normal life. If it were my last day, you know, I'd be meeting with my kids and making arrangements and doing all kinds of shit. So it's, it's very unrealistic. And I know it's meant to be an exercise of gratitude and to remind you that life's impermanent, but practical advice, you can't live every day like you're dying, but if you switch it around a little bit and you treat every single person that you come in contact with 
that it might be their last day. Ooh. That that's all. That slight little switch. Like this person who just walked right in front of you while you're standing in line, you know, you might be pretty kind to them. You probably wouldn't be very rude if you knew this was their last day. You'd make eye contact. You'd laugh. You'd give that forgiveness. You'd, you'd understand people. You'd believe in people. You would act in an entirely different way that would not only change life for them, but it would totally change life for you. Very cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Chinooka. (laughs) And happy holidays. Right. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, That's it, guys. Um, Have a great day. Make a great day. Have an amazing holiday season. And um, we'll catch you on the other side. I heard there is no Christmas in the silly Middle East. No trees, no snow, no Santa Claus. They have different religious beliefs. They believe in Muhammad and not in our holiday. And so every December I go to the Middle East and say... Hey there, Mr. Muslim! Merry fucking Christmas! Put down that book, the Koran, and hear some holiday wishes. In case you haven't noticed, it's Jesus' birthday. So get off your heathen Muslim ass and fucking celebrate. There is no holiday season in India, I've heard. They don't hang up their stockings, and that is just absurd. They never read a Christmas story, they don't know what Rudolph is about. And that is why in December I'll go to India and shout. Hey there, Mr. Hinduist, Merry fucking Christmas. Drink eggnog and eat some beef and pass it to the missus. In case you haven't noticed, it's Jesus' birthday. So get off your heathen Hindu ass and fucking celebrate. Now I heard that in Japan, everyone just lives in sin. They pray to several gods and put needles in their skin. On December 25th, all they do is eat a cake. And that is why I go to Japan and walk around and die. Mr. Shintoist, Merry fucking Christmas. God is gonna kick your ass, you infidelic pagan scum. In case you haven't noticed, there's festive things to do. So let's all rejoice for Jesus' Merry fucking Christmas to you. On Christmas Day, I travel around the world and say, That was Christmas bonus and all you atheists too. Merry fucking Christmas to you. Thank you, Mr. Head. <laughs>